Welcome to the Space Cave, a big warg to all of you. Hopefully you're finding yourselves safe and healthy and wearing masks and thinking of other people and taking proper precautions to make sure that uh, people out on the, um, in public that you might have to come across, whether you're at a grocery store or whatever you might be, um, they don't always look like they're immunocompromised, whether that are, that's people who are pregnant and or have cancer and or an immuno disease that you're unfamiliar with. Uh, I will never get over the feeling of people needing to not wear a mask to prove some sort of a point. Who are you proving it to? You're showing that you're immune? You're a great big tough person? Great. But still, you could be an asymptomatic carrier, and when you cough or sneeze, you're going to be sending those particles racing across the room uh, somewhere in the number of like tens of millions of these droplets when you sneeze or cough, even if you're feeling no symptoms. So, as the restrictions are eased, I hope you're not racing out there being irresponsible. Be safe. Think of other people. And I've mentioned in the past, uh, thinking of others, doing something productive. My guest today, via Zoom, did just that. She's been sewing masks at night, sewing masks during the day for her friends, for homeless people in her neighborhood. She is just a fantastic person, and she's going to hate that I said that. She doesn't like the light being shined on her too much, but I'll do it anyway. I think she's a phenomenal artist. She's very sweet and thoughtful and just cool and fun to hang out with. We met when I was doing uh, the One-Headed Beast project, which you can find on Amazon Prime. And if you look on the stage, you'll see a number of physical things. If you're real familiar with my comedy albums, you'll see some of the things that I drew for those are represented in 3D life. The majority of that was done by Penelope and our friend Paige Steele. They made all these really cool things and brought them to life. And so One-Headed Beast, whenever I look at that um, backdrop to the stage, will always have a warm place for me because of how many talented artists uh, just out of the goodness of their own heart, much like Dan putting together this show from down under, just reached out and said, hey, I want to help. I want to be a part of it. And uh, we made this whole thing. So we're working on the next one, too. She's made some new stuff for that as well, and hopefully that'll be out before the end of the year because I know people are uh, looking for stuff to stream and or filter somehow into their brains through their eyes and or their ears. I'm working on doing that. Hopefully it'll be something worthwhile. She made some really cool goggles for that one. Anyway, the person I'm talking about is a Texas native. She lives in Austin. She's a baker. She knits. She crochets. She sews. She makes weird stuff out of all kinds of different different mediums. She's just a living embodiment of creativity walking around at all times. Uh, I think you're going to love it. Apologies for some of the sound. Hopefully Dan was able to work some magic. There was a bit of an echo coming through from time to time. And I don't know how much of that we can take away. That's when I was talking. If you can muscle through it, great. But that's just one of the side effects or downsides to, uh, to doing it during this quarantine over Zoom. But anyway, 
Here's a chat with Penelope Club. Um, okay. And then I can take a picture of you if, if you would like or not like. It's up to you. <laughs> I'll just, I can just I do a screenshot. I mean, it's probably the more normal thing to do, but this is so outside my comfort zone to start with. <laughs> okay, you know? sure. Yeah. And I mentioned to Maddie that I was going to talk to you today, and the first thing she said was, you're not going to tell anybody, are you? I mean, it's like, I will. <laughs> I will. Really about that. Yeah, I uh, I do marvel at how I feel like it's such a comfortable atmosphere with the environment of the podcast that people are slowly feeling more comfortable interacting these days. But overall, uh, it's not a very interactive group. It's just a very like introverted. I'll just quietly listen and go about my business. So this must be blowing Maddie's mind. Well, I mean, it would have been, yeah. Well, that I'm actually doing this, yes. Like, I'm the worst about agreeing to things or being seen in things and not being, like, I'm always never in the photo. I don't know why. I just, you know, I'm just... <laughs> I remember like, when... I love things and have people really enjoy them, but never know anything about me. I, yeah, I think I like that a lot. I don't know that I... I get asked to, like, say, be in a photo, or I remember when we first started doing Professor Blastoff, and, like, I, I had no interest in doing photos, but it seemed so rude when the guests would be there, and, like, oh, you don't want to be in the photo? I'm like, all right, all right. I'll, and then I just got in the habit of, like, it's not that big of a deal, but my natural state, like, if I could have chosen how I'd go through doing comedy, I would just do my show, go in the green room, never speak or interact with anyone. And it's changed. Right. It's evolved a lot since then where you do kind of have to interact with people. One, because it's so available. It would be so weird to pretend like I, I, I have, I didn't get your fan letter that you mailed to my PO box that someone else manages for me. Sorry. I missed that. Now it's like, Oh, I, I sent it to you. I know you read it within maybe 10 minutes. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. So it's, um, I remember when we were doing One Headed Beast, I was talking about doing like a group photo after, and you were like, oh, I, I don't have any interest in that. <laughs> you, know, you had said something like, do you want to be on stage? Because, you know, Tim had done it, and yeah. uh, you know, they were wearing the heads and things. And yeah, Paige was, like, was in it. Yeah, I, I, you know, because I make puppets, people assume that I also want to do puppet shows, mm -hmm. and that is not the case. I just want to make puppets, you know? <laughs> it's always and you know i don't know what it is and you know as a kid you know having a, an exact human duplicate and having friends or parents who have artistic friends we would have to sit for portraits mm -hmm. i think that might stem like where it's just like oh this is awful you know what i look like <laughs> I'm not so i haven't done this before Hey, no problem. There's no, there's really no correct protocol. Sometimes people ask like, do I research? Do I prepare? What I'm like, I always feel like, well, you've had a conversation with a human before, right? Like we'll just attempt to do that and then you should be good. And I've had some conversations with you as a human. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you may have made it into the video cut of One-Headed Beast. I'm not sure if I'm remembering that. I know you were sitting kind of near the front, but you wanted to be off to the side. But I feel like maybe somewhere in there, someone could find your face and be like, ha-ha, she's in the, the public eye. Well, weirdly, I don't mind being Waldo. You know, just being sort of in... I don't mind that. And, like, there was this... Um, I never saw it, but 
for years, you know how Austin's a pretty popular place. And so some small news crew from New York was just going around and going to cool places in Austin. And it became one of those things in the middle of the night that just runs like about travel. And there's this horrible interview where I'm just super tired. I, you know, I'm at work at my vintage store job and completely disinterested. I never saw it. And then years <laughs> later, this guy moved to Austin and he was like, I know you from somewhere. And I was like, I can't imagine where. And then he went home and came back and he was like, yeah, there's this really awful kind of Austin infomercial that runs every night and you look so <laughs> disinterested. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's me. <laughs> so super weird. And I was like, I never saw it, but someone did. Yeah. Like, like after they get home drunk eating chicken, you know, is that really just? I feel like it has gone in different waves for me, and I, some of it probably I'm, I'll you'll never get the answer to. Like, is your laugh the laugh you were born to have, or did you hear other people laughing over your lifetime and you kind of glommed on to certain idiosyncrasies within? Like, oh, that person when they finish their laugh, they go, ha, 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 and now I've adopted that, or whatever that might be. I was, uh, my mom bought a vehicle, bought a used vehicle from this dealership in Reno. And then they wanted us to come back and like, I feel like they were going to give us some tanks of gas or maybe a gift card or I don't know what it was, but it was like, you know, minimal pay to just do a, a realistic testimonial that, Hey, they sell pretty good used cars there. So my mom did it. My sister didn't want to be in it. And then, so I just stood there. I do nothing. My mom, I just stand next to my mom and then she goes, yeah, it was great. They're really nice to deal with and blah, 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 blah. And then after it was done, we were walking out and my sister was incensed. Like, I, I have to be in it now. I'm so jealous. And so, <laughs> so we shot a second one where then it was the three of us. And I feel like when the commercial aired, they broke it up pretty evenly. Like sometimes my sister was in it. Sometimes it was just me and my mom. But I remember seeing that and being... I feel like one time I was in a public place, I'm, you know, 12 or so, and I went like, that's me! Like, I wanted everyone in this pizza parlor, or wherever we were, <laughs> to, to, know you were to know it was me. I'm, I'm, and my, my friends, we would go to the college football games, and you could get in free as a little kid, especially if you played sports. And we would run on the field after the game was over in like the most minor market there is. There would just be the local news interviewing some of the players and we would stand in the background and like wave to the camera. So there was this feeling of wanting to be on that box or something that was in a home. But then as I got older, I became much more like you, like where I didn't want anything. I felt that... And I wonder if it was I looked back on that and thought it was kind of gross, that need to be maybe it's when you start to understand how many people are on the planet. You're like, it's silly that people be like, but me, 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 fuck, I'm here too. I just felt like there's right. something, something silly about that. Well, oh. I, and I definitely, you know, I have way too many friends who are performers to feel like it's gross to want to be seen doing the thing that you're doing. It's just so inherently not. The, so I find myself often in conversations for like, Hey, do you want to do this thing with me? And then trying to explain why, like, I just have no interest. Like it's just two entirely different thought processes that sort of, um, but yeah, I, I definitely have never had the, I remember being in this, uh, my family's not religious at all, but my sister and I long story crashed a, like a, a summer Sunday school thing. We didn't know you had to be part of the church. We would show up cause we saw our friends there. So we ended up in there like end of the year school play. It's the first time I'd ever seen a camcorder mm-hmm. and the and because we're twins and it's really hard to not notice them. He's in our face the whole time. So in the video, 
we're just creeping to the back, just like all the way back. And you see our little hats. It's just always been there. I just, but I, on the other, like I have spent this whole pandemic just making things and leaving it in the park and like making sure that people have some like funny little happy thing to look at. Yeah. That I'm interested in, you know, I like that. Or, you know, or I've been a baker most of my adult life. And so like, you know, I, one of my favorite parts of the job is that I go to work, I make hundreds of things that are going to go to someone's house or go to them with, to work or something. And they're just going to be so excited to eat it or happy to yeah. have it. You know, I saw this lady a few years ago, like in public, just by like biting into a cookie that was clearly packaged as something that I had made and did this like little shimmy. And <laughs> it was everything I had not to be like, I made that. <laughs> so I get it sometimes, but it's like, play it cool. That's yeah. just weird. Oh, like, I, I definitely like that. Huh? I don't think there's anything wrong with enjoying that feeling. You know, if you if you're doing something nice and it's not selfless, you know, people look down on that. You only did that so you could get. That's okay. If you're doing something nice and you want to get that feeling out of it, I feel like that's fine. A, a few yeah. times a year, I'll get some sort of an email that's very sweet, and every time I'm like, I really appreciate that. I'm glad this person, and I I like that feeling knowing that something I made or did. It's the exact feeling you just described where someone takes a bite or, or really it brightens them up who wouldn't want to give that to someone. And I think it's fully okay to say like, I enjoyed how that felt seeing that. Oh no, I admit it to myself. I just didn't feel like a neat bit. I just, there's that part of it. It was like, okay, don't tell that stranger you made their cookie. But yeah. <laughs> the, um, when you talk about like sneaking off into the background on that, camcorder thing when i did last comic standing that would have been a perfect time to be or want to be in the foreground and they kept having to come find me the producers and be like david you you gotta go get in the group you've got to be in the group and i just was like i think it's so gross i just wanted nothing to do with this fake pretending everything was just normal like we're just hanging out but very clearly aware of the cameras so i don't know where that transition from the commercial and being excited to then when it could have been a good thing to want to have that kind of ham nature somewhere in there it went away you were i i feel like i remember i did not watch that show but it's, you, you talked about it before were you you weren't on long enough to stay in the houses or isn't there a house yeah i think at that there season a, there probably was a house i left right before the house and i was just so relieved to not that would be my show. worst nightmare yeah i was stuck in the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was, I, when you were talking about making stuff, too, it made me think of um, Eeyore. And we have this thought that Eeyore is kind of this sort of, oh, thanks for noticing. But when you really watch Winnie the Pooh as an adult, he has this thing that's kind of not detestable, but it's not ideal. Like hearing what you do is to me ideal. Like I made this thing, I'm putting shit in the park. I want people to be happy and stumble upon things. And I don't care if they ever know who did it. I just want to do it. Eeyore's kind of the opposite. The thanks for noticing is he feels like a real martyr. He's always kind of yeah. like, oh, I did this and no one seems to care. Oh, thanks yeah. for noticing. <laughs> it's, a real, it's kind of a bummer. I honestly, I, and I, I have this great Eeyore toy my mom made me when I was a kid, but I honestly never liked him. He just sucked the air out of the whole show. <laughs> and now as an adult, I think, oh, that's clinical depression, Eeyore. Yeah. Like, and this weird kind of narcissism, too. Mm -hmm. It's self-hating narcissism. What a cutie. <laughs> so weird. 
just so nice. You know, something I found out this year, which I was like, you know, I haven't found out something goofy about a cartoon that I didn't already know in a while. You know, Winnie the Pooh's a girl. What? What? Right. Look it up. I didn't believe it either. I was just like, what? And then I went and checked and all this time and not that it matters, but I was surprised. It does matter. It does matter. Yeah, I'm still getting that echo yeah, a little bit again. Um, I don't know um, what, if it's on my end or... my end or... Damn it. Damn it. I think this is going to be... this is going to be... Okay. Do you think it's going to be crappy? Uh, if you can, if, is there a way to get closer to your laptop? I don't know if that's having... It. Something you did when you, like, tried to set up the headphones and then... Oh, yeah, that's better. I don't know okay. what changed, but I. I, changed. I know it's back. It it's just back. is coming in and out. Something you did when you tried to set up the Bluetooth headphones helped it a little bit, and then now it's back. Fuck. Um, we may just have to battle through it. Um, I apologize. I, I, this is definitely. I'm pretty capable in any. Oh, now your audio dropped out again. Okay. So I. Well, I, I kind of dislike Winnie the Pooh being a girl because it's such a great name. It's kind of unisex and it's more of a female name mm-hmm. that Winnie being a boy in a way for little kids shows like none of that stuff matters. Like Winnie's totally comfortable yeah, Winnie's in his totally skin is how I always felt about it. So I'm glad to know she's a girl, but in my, in my mind, because it's been a lifetime, probably always be Winnie the boy. Boy. Right. And I hadn't really thought a lot about it either way, but I was surprised to find out that that's the original. But you can be, Winnie can be whatever Winnie <laughs> wants to be to you. Unless you're in China, then you can't. You know about that, right? No, there's a Winnie the, the Pooh no, there's a, thing. So Xi Jinping, uh, someone had put up this sort of negative meme, sort of comparing his body type to uh, Winnie the Pooh. So then that imagery has been banned because it's insulting to him. Oh, no. Oh, no. Like, I'm sure you have so much more to worry about. You run in an enormous country. Winnie yeah. the Pooh is probably the least of your worries. But yeah, Winnie the Pooh's banned. Damn it. I think uh, the Winnie the Pooh thing about her being a girl that's frustrating is, again, with Eeyore always being kind of like, a, oh, thanks for noticing. Winnie the Pooh is really hard on herself. There's a lot of, I have fluff for brains. Instead of knowing. Sorry. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe that was the telltale that, uh, oh, that's such a bummer that she's, she's not real high on her intellect. Right. Uh, it is, I mean, to be fair, it is not the most chipper of all cartoons, but yeah, it is a bummer. <laughs> going back to you uh you, making uh, things and putting them in the park and this i for the for a few episodes have been saying you know like one i feel like we're in the first few weeks everyone's just kind of experiencing it and like what does this mean and then you kind of almost like when you're uh clinging onto a piece of wood out in the ocean after a bit you get used to like well this is when i try to get some water and this is when i climb up on top of it and i sleep a little you develop a weird routine and you're surviving on this raft of sorts. And then the next thing turns into like, well, how can I help people? And then I knew you would jump right into that. And then you've been like sewing masks at night, not to like shine your shoes too much, but I knew you would do that. And I think it's, and I'd like that you do it not in a begrudging way, but just like, yes, I'm sewing masks. Not like, aren't I such a hero? 
Yeah, I was so, I mean, you know, I taken, I would love to still be in a bakery and I had I tried to get them to transition to just making bread, but that wasn't the choice they were making. And, and of course we, we all got laid off, which, you know, everybody in the restaurant industry was getting laid off. And I was lucky enough to know someone where I could just hop into a grocery store job because I don't have the option to, and I was terrified of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm already pretty, you know, I wash my hands nonstop, even when there isn't a pandemic. So I definitely didn't want strangers breathing COVID-19 on me, but um, I was doing sort of curbside and I'll be honest, thank yous feel really hollow when you're asking me to pick up organic truffle oil for you. You know, <laughs> it just feels super hollow. Like maybe instead of a thank you, you vote in my interest, you know? Yeah. So another friend of mine had mentioned that this place was hiring people to sew. I, you know, I love sewing and I had already started making tons of masks just for my neighborhood. And it's probably not a surprise, but almost all my fabric is Halloween themed. (laughs) (laughs) My whole neighborhood, like elderly people are walking around with ghosts and witches on their faces and it's the best I've got. And uh, I also had to trade, um, I had to trade yeast for some elastic because yeast is so hard to find these days and elastic is too. But of course I already had tons of that because (laughs) I bake, which is kind of right in my wheelhouse. I'd love the idea of bartering, you know, I would be set if the barter society. So this opportunity came up and I was super stoked because I feel like it's the least you can do to wear a mask. You know, it's not that big a sacrifice. And we're, the company I'm working for is called Couch Potatoes. They're this furniture company that um, stopped production because they had the materials to make masks and just started making masking gowns, mm-hmm. which is they donate them to the community and then they're going to medical centers and we're sending them to the border. So migrant workers and people who are unfortunately caged in my state are yeah. able to have them. So it feels really good to be doing it. It's not the, it's a factory, you know, so a friend of mine who uh she doesn't she's a stay-at-home mom and she uh she's a bit a bit she's definitely more affluent and she's a bit of of sort of more um well anyway so her first response was you're working in a sweatshop (laughs) (laughs) yes i'm working it's not a sweatshop it's just a factory but super fascinated by the machinery and you make shoes right are you been making shoes? Yeah, I've been learning to make shoes. I was going to say one of the the guy who taught me how to do it for a brief period was working uh, and at a factory where they were taking full advantage of people like him that needed a job and had a skill that is he's just way too qualified to be their kind of mass producing poorly made shoes. And once they you know drive up the workforce, they drive down the price, but they can't. No one can really unionize or anything. So he was just like, "This is terrible. There's no ethics involved. They will. They will. If they could pay me a dollar per hour, they would." And so it's. I it's hope true. So it's your situation there. Is it a happy environment? I mean, are people? Oh no, it's a great. Enjoy- they they pay me a fair wage. I mean, it's not what I would make as a baker, but you know, these are weird times, and they are completely shut down and. It's a, this place, this company is really good to their employees as it is. A friend of mine is their graphics guy. He's worked there for a while. Um, he's how I knew about it. Like he's always talking about how nice they are to them and they make, they make all these sort of, you know, they, they match prices and eventually they're hoping to be able to donate, uh, as much like to split their profits for donation, mm-hmm. you know, and they hire people who are just out of prison and things like that. So it's a really great company when it comes to like, you know, production and working in a factory. You know, it's a small business. He's not super interested in making 
a huge profit, but to be a, a quality company that takes care of their employees. Very nice. That's great. It's a nice break. Because, yeah. Um, you know, the restaurant industry definitely needs an overhaul. And I'm hoping that with this COVID thing that people will maybe be more made more aware of the inequities that exist in our country. But I feel like the people that aren't wearing masks are the same people that are unwilling to recognize that things are difficult everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell if the kind of unchecked dog eat dog thing is going to take off after this or if a little bit more empathy and like, man, I could have been helping out a little more during so that people weren't as devastated when something like this happened. Right. It feels like such a, it's, it's, it would be such an easy thing had we had leadership that said, you know, this is a really small sacrifice to make, put a mask on, wear some gloves, you're doing this for America. You know, like, I feel like any other administration, even ones I didn't like, would have, would have put it out that way and would have encouraged it and things would be a lot easier and it would be more cohesive. But now we have, he's encouraging people to liberate Minnesota, you know, <laughs> and they're flying Confederate flags, which even I was raised to know that was a traitor flag and nonsense. And I'm a Southerner. Like, yeah. what do you do in Minnesota? <laughs> <laughs> what does that have to do with this? And also you can probably trim your own nails. Yeah. I'm just guessing. The thing I thought was so funny too about the Minnesota thing is they're at the governor's house. The, governor's even house. if you're a northerner with a Confederate flag, it represents states' rights. So why would you be saying to the governor, "Who are you divisive there against?" If it were against the president, I'd be, oh sure, federally you're upset. This flag represents you and your state in a weird, convoluted way. But what you are doing makes no sense. No sense. And the guns. I can't imagine the, nest, the need for guns. And also, how are you not getting arrested for yeah. this? You well, know? I think it... Any well, other group. You're a, you're a Texan, you know, you know, you're not, you live through the Waco standoff. And so the government, I think more than ever is very sensitive, even though that was quite a while ago that like, that was horrific PR. So nowadays, yeah. like, if you want to defend yourself and open carry, they, they weirdly like there's that, um, was it Clive and Bundy, the guy years ago, um, in Oregon, oh, you know, that standoff. There's just this feeling that like we are not going to have another Ruby Ridge or Waco. So I think those guys get a weird pass as far as that goes. But um, going back to the like the camaraderie that should have been birthed out of this. I, I was reading this article about Korea in the or South Korea in the early stages. They would bring this gift pack that had. Um, one, like a plastic bag that you could put all of your refuse in and tie it up and then leave it in your house yeah. somewhere for two weeks. They'd come by and get it. But basically, like, you've either been exposed to someone or you've shown symptoms or you've tested positive. Quarantine yourself at home. Right. If you feel bad, go to the hospital. Here's some stuff. Here's some food you can do. Here's a few masks. Here are some hand sanitizer things. And then there's this little note in the, ba in the bag that says, we can get through this together. Go Korea! <laughs> And I was so jealous of that that like we don't have like a go USA feeling. We don't have this like stay home, wear a mask, we're gonna beat it. Instead, we've got this crazy division where uh, half the people don't want to wear masks because it makes some sort of statement that I don't think any of us really understand. And therefore, it just it makes us as we've been for years very divided. And this is the worst time for that to be happening. It is legitimately helping perpetuate a deadly virus. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I can't fathom. I mean, 
I even have faith that the president prior to this one that I thought was the worst, which is my own home state, W, would be doing a better job. He put out a statement recently that was very, you know, inclusive and very positive and looking forward. And I thought, how hard is it to stand up to this guy's standard, to, to raise up to this guy's standard? <laughs> it's very easy, you know? Yeah. But no. I know when you're out there, like retweeting QAnon stuff and debunked conspiracy theories. And if you look early on into his tweets toward China, they're doing a great job. We trust them. Very transparent. Go President Xi. We think you're doing great. Also, people lose sight of like, we sent 17 tons of PPE. Think of how much a mask weighs. That is a tremendous amount of supplies. 17 tons is, even if they thought, we didn't know how bad it was. If you sent 200 pounds, then you'd go, yeah, I didn't know how bad it was. But 17 tons, man, you had a reasonable idea that this needed some significant precautions. And then them not wearing masks and setting that example for the liberate people has led to, it's in the White House. There are aides in May who are testing positive. That is absurd. It's crazy. And it's it's his personal valet or one of them, which, you know, when you think valet, you think fancy and Downton Abbey. And you realize that poor man just picks up McDonald's. <laughs> That's his whole job. Yeah. He's putting his wrist to pick up McDonald's. <laughs> the feeling that wearing a mask is either weak or it acknowledges that look, this wasn't a hoax. You know, we can go out and placate the public and say, we're doing a great job. It's a pandemic, but quietly we're not wearing masks because we kind of want to show that we're not scared of this thing. But when you have like 35 secret service members who've tested positive, you have the valet, certain aides at some point, there has to be a crackdown. Like, please take this seriously. If it can get into the white house, it certainly can get into a 24 hour fitness in any given locale. Right. I, th I think that's the thing is it will just keep bumping up against this irrational wall. It's like, why don't you do this simple thing? Because, well, it does feel slightly pointed to in that, like, they're not taking such a huge, like, huge measures and preventative and education and things like that. Because I don't want to sound like a bummer, but it's killing poor and brown people and they don't care, you know. Mm. And they just, there's this weird lack of it seems like a lack of basic scientific understanding, like how germs and viruses spread and then asking people to inject Lysol or not asking, <laughs> yeah. making a suggestion that that could be, it just feels, it feels like I'm, we're stuck in someone's fever dream and it's a really bad one. Yeah. Maybe people have always felt like this as they get to a certain age. You know, people during Vietnam were like, this can't be real. An endless war that you were hearing about in a much slower news cycle, even if you're getting updates nightly or it's not by the minute, like we kind of get it immediately. So we're well aware of the stupid things that are said. They can't really be retracted because there's video immediately. So then we go, oh, you can deny it. I've learned that. You can deny it even with video. <laughs> like, I didn't, Our I didn't, president does <laughs> I was being sarcastic. I didn't mean inject Lysol. You openly said it, and you were very, like, concernedly talking to a doctor about it. Yeah, and you don't know what sarcastic means, apparently. <laughs> Reassuring. It, uh, if you want this type of leadership and you've gotten it, you feel great. But I think anyone that's played on like organized sports or had a really great job where you had a, a manager or someone that 
and I've, I've grown very attracted to that where, you know, you see someone come out and hold a press conference and go, that's on me. I messed up. Even though, you know, like that wasn't your fault. There was a pipe that broke and that person that was there was well-trained. This is just one of those things that happens when someone takes that leadership there's something so endearing about it. And like, I think we're all drawn to it now because it's it's so lacking at the highest level where you're like, can you just acknowledge you kind of goofed up? Can you take some responsibility and show us that you can put something on your shoulders without crying and whining about it being someone else? Right. Accountability. It's awesome. <laughs> it's, I miss it. Uh Oh, so actually, I did want to ask you, uh, or not ask you, but before we're off, it, or um, you posted, and I'm, by the way, enjoying your pandemic comics. Um, oh, that's thanks. one thing about this whole thing that I'm just, I love it because I am lucky enough to have a nice group of really creative friends and like a lot of them are stuck at home. And so things have gotten sort of out of hand with like creativity, <laughs> but the one you had posted, uh, which is great, but the one you had posted with a rainbow in it uh-huh. was I. It was spectacular because the rainbow is a bizarre configuration, which I know <laughs> maybe why you know I know that, <laughs> that it looked like a rainbow that had been translated and then translated back. Uh-huh. You know, I don't like I know that you you are somewhat colorblind, right? The reason so, for that was reason. that I had um, I didn't understand different mediums and the like thing I was working with. So I had just gotten some Prismacolor markers. So, so I got Prismacolor markers, but I was using this paper that was just really, really thin and they bled through really quickly. And I don't mm-hmm. know colors all that great. And so I was just reading the colors off the markers and like, well, I think it would look kind of like this. And so it really bled and looked terrible. It was just an awful rainbow. There's like a whole run of comics where I was just adamant that I could figure it out. And, you know, I'd have uh, maybe a space the size of a penny. Oh, like your name to color in. And I would just put, you know, I'd start coloring and stay within maybe even like three millimeters of reaching the edge of the circle I had drawn. And it would bleed out and over it by three or four millimeters repeatedly. And it took me a while to realize like, oh, that's that's why people use different types of paper and things. Right. I absolutely love Prismacolor markers, but that is definitely something when I first got them, it was it's struggling with like, I've got the wrong paper. Once you find the paper, they yeah. have beautiful colors. Oh man, like Bristol paper or something like that. It's just yeah. so good yeah. with Prismacolor markers. So. I could spend all day paper shopping. Yeah. Um, also, when this thing broke out, you know, like I already have all the craft supply that I would probably need for 400 years. And so <laughs> I haven't... like. I'm a pretty introverted person and I usually, you know, I get together once a couple, every couple of weeks to go draw with my friends. So we're all just sitting at the table kind of, kind of talking and drawing, you know? And so yeah. like, like that's my sort of social life, but uh, I love going to, you know, the craft store or going to an empty movie theater. That's the only place that I've been feeling this, but uh, <laughs> uh, I had a point. Oh, but I thought that I had enough thread to last me for the rest of my life. And I've literally gone through all of it. In Whoa. This and this is your personal masks. thread. This no, oh, you're making masks with your own thread. Oh, just for my neighborhood. I so I go to work and I make masks all night. But I've been making masks for weeks now, and that's you know all the Halloween fabric that my neighbors are wearing. Mm-hmm. Or I don't really go to fast food restaurants. I'm not, but I did notice like I was driving by and I noticed through a window a bunch of people working that weren't wearing masks. So my sister, I got home and I was tired and I made my sister go drop a bunch of them off. So, you know, if you're working, yeah. 
for a multi-billion dollar company, they could probably find you masks. But if not, I'll set you up with some bunny rabbit masks. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you're, one, doing that, that, you know, there would be a feeling, well, McDonald's can afford to do this. Well, who cares if they can or cannot, if there's some glitch or bureaucracy or red tape at the corporate level, why not uh, just to handle it on our own? Here, I made you 50 bunny masks. Have fun. That's great. That's my usual mode of working things. Like, I can just talk to the guy on the corner. Like, you know, I work at a bakery, too, most of the time. And so I usually know all the homeless guys in my neighborhood because there's always leftover food. Mm-hmm. So much easier than, well, maybe not. But, like, I'm there and I have it. You know, I get to know, like, and I would get to the point where some people would be picky about what I'd have. And I'd be like, look, that's yeah. what I have. But... It's just, for me, the whole one-on-one thing is just so much easier. Like, I don't have to go somewhere. This guy's already here. (laughs) There it is. But, yeah. Um, But, yeah, so I've just been, yeah, I have. I've made tons of masks. It's sort of been my full-time is it, over at some point. I got into more tactile stuff because in the beginning, like you were saying, I was just trapped at home and it was really cathartic to draw those comics uh, that have to do... I, I never wanted to be like a satirist and like, you know, things that were very current. I always, I always liked comics that kind of were just irrelevant and had nothing to do with any particular time frame. And then I got into it and I it was fun. You know, it, it was really a nice release to kind of let off this whatever frustrations just at how absurd it was and then it just started to yeah. be kind of a recurring pattern you could go back to any current situation and be like oh i kind of already did a comic that pertains to that and it was just nice to get away from it just to be like i'm gonna go work on the yard or build something or build i got into something. doing things like that that was those were much more uh more uh much just more helpful i guess just more helpful i guess Right. I, I like how for a lot of people, it seems like their sort of inner pioneer has showed up, you know, and they're making bread and they're sewing things and they're making stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would love it if this just continued and everyone kept me. And also, too, you know, puzzles. Puzzles don't get enough love. Everyone's doing puzzles. <laughs> you know, it's totally something I'm down with. But the... Um, oh, the Can you shut the window? Sorry. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. It's just been really nice. And so you have a comic or you've been drawing and another friend of mine has been drawing some, you know, some cool comics and just been keeping up. I, and, and both, neither one of you usually do this sort of, that you just do more general things, but his has been really pointed lately too. And it's just him sort of stuck inside staring at squirrels and things like that. <laughs> because that's all he's doing. <laughs> you know? Okay. The, um, the, the way uh, people feel right now, the ones that are going through right the liberate things, uh, let us out. I run a floral company. I, I got to get out there and do it. To me, I feel like in a lot of ways, that's how artists feel all the time because you have to go do something. Even if you love it, like working in a bakery, you have to go do something where you're like, if I had my way, I'd be home sewing, making stuff, drawing comics, putting things in the park. And I have to go do these other things. And now everyone's getting subjected to that a little bit of like, wait, I have to sit home and do puzzles, do these things that in, in, in some way maybe uh, spark my imagination or my curiosity. I hate it. I just want to be mindlessly doing my job. Do, wait, sorry. What was the question? There? Do I- <laughs> I'm just curious if like, if you've thought about it that at all, like, cause you're saying you like this, you know, that this sort of pioneer thing where like I'm sewing and doing all the things I love. I think a lot of artistic people are feeling that way. Like, look, it's just me trapped in my house with my paints. I'm going to do what I've always thought that I might, if I had the time, which is what I really love. 
Because yeah, I'm curious I mean, if you'd like that's know, been you. It's been because I personally haven't been trapped in my house, I, but I, you know, I've been more. But I definitely am loving it, and I'm definitely seeing friends who have been sort of, you know, they. I don't have a lot of friends that go to those sort of trudgy jobs with ties, but I definitely have friends who have to go to offices and things. And like, I've seen a lot of them just, it seems like they're just, you know, it's like, um, I don't know. They just seem like finally they're in their natural habitat and there's not that outside pressure to go do the office job, you know? So yeah. Is that answering it? No. Uh, but yeah, it, it is. It's super exciting to see people. And I hope that people stick but, you know, things will go back to normal and everyone will be back on their computer or, you know, not that we're not now, but, you know, yeah. well, I hope things don't go back to normal the way they were. Normal is such better. a fast pace. I go back to like this article I read about a um, historian who was saying the origin of the term, the American dream was a thing that early on Americans would kind of shrug their shoulders when the thought of imagine if everyone could vote and we could shape this nation in a way where everyone was truly represented in our democracy you know, responded that way and they'd shrug their shoulders and go, that's the American dream. I mean, it is kind of a crazy notion that everyone would come and have a say and have representatives and they'd congregate in a place and go, I'm here on behalf of my people. Here's what they want. And that you could have this beautiful thing where everyone had a say that was the American dream. And now it's turned into like, you're doing it right because you own a Lamborghini. You stayed up all night. You never slept. You did whatever it took to get this app off the ground or this business that you put into four or five brick and mortar places and then you franchise them into this and that and, you, and yeah, you stepped on some people's heads and you broke some eggs, but that's making an omelet. This is America. And now as we're slowed down and people are, I think everyone is finding, oh, I had been meaning to clean out that closet for a decade. And now people are slowly doing these things and going, I, I have to imagine that people, even people that really love the cutthroat dog eat dog, I'm, a dog, I'm busy every day I'm thing. Busy. I think even some of them are I think like, them. it's nice to clean that closet and just kind of relax and get to do these things that I've been putting off for ages. Yeah. Something I, I like doing during this too is I, I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter or things like that, but I have been sort of going through and seeing what people are saying in other countries sort of about how we're handling it. And one thing that I've noticed a lot was other people in other countries, say France and Italy, are noticing that Americans don't seem to like their families <laughs> because all of the complaints are I'm stuck home with my family. And I think what's happening here is we realize we spend so much time away from them trying to like build this ridiculous dream that I hope people will realize that like spending time face to face and engaging and hanging out with people. Coming from an introvert, I know this is weird, but but like that that's more valuable. I, something with you know we talked kind of going back to um. You know, like I make things that I don't necessarily care if you know I made it. It's something that I, I like when people appreciate something to my face, and that's great. But a lot of times the first question after I present something to someone is, do you sell this? Mm -hmm. And there's, like, there's that moment of like, oh, you instantly monetize this. And we never talked about like, why in the world I would have made this ridiculous thing or the, how much you enjoyed it or or even, you know, when you say something funny and people are like, oh, you should do this. Yeah, you should yeah. do this in front of people. And I'm like, we just had this moment where you thought this was really funny. And the first thing that comes to your mind is money. Yeah. It's, it, and so it's, it's always made me feel like an alien where I'm like, oh, I don't care. But, and I'm not, it's also a very strange thing to me that it feels like a large portion of our citizens think that they're just temporarily not millionaires. Yeah. You know, like, 
I got to protect my millions. I don't have them yet. Yeah. And I'm going to die trying to get them. And I will never take a day off work, but I really have to protect them. <laughs> yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. So <laughs> I just want to make stuff and go to work. You know, I just pay my bills and make stuff. I'm always trying to Very find where that middle ground is in that existentially, if you birthed into... I mean, when you're a baby, you don't, you, baby, shapes, don't colors, the, the idea of eyes and a yeah, mouth, yeah. everything that physically exists here takes you years to get used to. Like, okay, those ones walk around on four legs. They don't talk. These ones seem to, I can understand what they're saying. They talk to me a lot. They, I, I'm starting to figure out what mirrors are. I, I guess I look like this. You slowly get it figured out that, oh, I can speak this language. I'm one of them. I'm this thing. And then you further go on to it, you get educated, you get told, here's the history of what it's been. Here's what we think mm-hmm. the start of it was. Here's what civilizations have done throughout. But you don't really get told that like the rules are somewhat established. We've established boundaries. We've established uh, an economy that really dictates and drives currently. It didn't maybe 200 years ago. It was different. Maybe you could have been a little more left little to your own druthers. But now... The world, if you were just birthed into it, and say you had immediate recognition, you had immediate like conscious recognition of like a video game, like, oh, I'm on earth. Tell me, give me the short rundown. And someone would say to you, it's really cutthroat. It's mostly about money. Try to have some fun, but definitely money is the biggest thing. You got to make a lot of it. And you'd be like, but in my heart, I just kind of want to make stuff and I want to spend time with my friends and I want to really savor delicious meals or look at whatever it might be, beautiful nature, whatever, and just enjoy that. And they'd be like, ooh, you're not going to fit in here. You <laughs> need to always be thinking how you can make money on all those things. You like making food? Share them. Make videos of it. Share how you do the ingredients. You start a YouTube channel where you're constantly monetizing you're constantly it. And be like, but I don't want to do that. I just want to make the food. That's that's who I currently am. Like, yeah, I just want to do the thing. I don't care about them. And I think there's a... I don't remember who it was. Um, and not comparing myself to this person at all. Somebody had made a joke about... I watch a lot of comedy specials about Van Gogh and not being able to like being able to produce, but not being able to sort of sell himself. You know? Oh, uh, that was in um, Nanette. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh yes, that's right. Um, and I, I, I feel like people are like, that doesn't make sense. I get it. Like, I get it. I just shut down as soon as it's like, Hey, let's talk about this. But also I realized that it's a problem because I have a storage of, I have no idea how many, maybe hundreds of, like crocheted houseplants just <laughs> in boxes yeah it, and it's the sort of yeah. thing where i think well if i got hit by a bus today and somebody had to go through the contents of my house it would be like three purple mermaids wearing sparkly costumes and like <laughs> 25 you know weenie dogs i need to do something with them i do realize that otherwise i'm going to be buried <laughs> under crochet um, I had taken off a lot of, I mean, because I do a bunch of silly crafts, you know, I feel like you do a lot of different arts and crafts type things too. Like, you you know, I do lots of different ones and I'll take time off. But the one that I do when I'm really stressed out that I, I started doing so young that I don't really remember learning it 
is crochet. Mm-hmm. And after the last election, it, my house just exploded. With crochet. <laughs> and people are like, are you okay? What's going on? And I'm like, oh, I'm fine. Otherwise, I'm just going to die seething with rage and anger. So like, here's a crocheted goat. I think I gave you a taco. Yeah, I did. It was a breakfast yeah, taco. Yeah. It's a Christmas ornament. Yes. Yes, the breakfast taco Christmas ornament. Like I just, in, I sat down one day and I just like, at the end of the day, there were like 30 of them. <laughs> Although you should know, I don't give them to just anyone. They're oh, a limited edition. I feel very, it's one, I feel very flattered like and honored by that. And I, I sincerely mean that. I, I still remember when I kind of put out the word during One Headed Beast that, you know, I was looking for mostly animators. And then you and Paige and Timothy, um, George Buruji, like some artists that I really think are phenomenally talented were like, Hey, I want to, I want to help. And I, because I was like making it, I wanted to make sure that I didn't feel like McDonald's and that I was like, Oh, I'm taking full advantage. I've got this new ad campaign. And I just asked creative people to, to, you know, design or give me all the logos or signage for this thing. I wanted to make sure that we were all kind of in it together. And luckily no one, mostly myself included, made any money from it whatsoever. So that kept it somewhat genuine or earnest, but it really also, I wanted to try to do as much of that, like, um, or maintain that sentiment as much as everyone else did where they were like, we're making this thing. Cause we like making stuff. We want to help contribute. I felt like, Oh, I want to make this thing out of the same, um, kind of inspiration that like, we're just making it cause it's fun to make. We're trying to make something cool rather than, Oh, I got to turn this around and I'm going to make a bunch of money. And this is going to be, you know, the most popular thing right. ever. I just, I love, especially when you can look at it afterward or, or put it on a shelf or give it to someone or just be like, it is done. There's something good about that feeling of closing the notebook or whatever it is. Like it is done. I've done this thing. Done. I'm not going to go back to, it. I don't know if it's ever finished. I don't, I don't know, know when a statue's the final chisel mark has happened, but when you walk away from it, it feels great. Like it's good enough for me. I'm done. Right. So nice and accomplished. You feel accomplished. It's great. I also will say uh, also out of character for me to respond to something like that. But I feel like I loved listening to you guys. And like, that's the least I could do is to help out because I have, you know, <laughs> you know I listened to that episode of, of Professor Blastoff when there was the tarot reading. Yeah. And you guys had you talked about doing this. And, and then when you put that call out, it was like, it was that sort of thing where I'm just like, do I push sins? But like, <laughs> That I, I'm compulsively helpful sometimes and I and also just like I uh, I really appreciate you you feel like you're a really earnest kind of hardworking guy and half the time on this show I was always like just let David speak that's the question <laughs> I want to ask you know um, so that was kind of weirdly out of character but you are like I've done a couple of things for you um, yeah. and you're always like you're, you're not like you're not insanely picky like people I've worked for. You're always really open-minded about things. You're like super encouraging. And I don't know if you've ever noticed, but like when it comes to talking about how much things cost, that's where I'm just gone. <laughs> I don't know if you, I'm yeah. just like, whatever you think, man. And it drives a lot of my friends crazy where like, the last thing that I worked on was that puppet and about other things for a friend's sitcom. And he just kept saying, how much are you charging me? And I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. It's a really bad habit. I like making things for you because you're a really appreciative dude. Oh, thanks. Well, no, I think it's, I've, I feel very lucky that I have kind of this little outlaw band of people who I feel like not only are talented artistically, but do it from a, a place that I really like. I mean, you know, there are some people that are really good 
and then you go, Hey, you want to work on something? And like, I'm backlogged with work for whoever I'm making insurance ads or something like that's so gross. Like, look, I got to make money. I have a a mortgage. That's fair. But I love when people, and not at the detriment to themselves, but just more so that like every now and again, I have to take some time and make something. So I like that everyone does their own thing. I like to just give a veil. Like I kind of want it to be this, but you do it and you know, you use your imagination. So it's been really fun to work with you in particular, but so many people that way. Cause I think we, I like to think that we're making stuff together as opposed to like, I'm making this thing and I need some, I need your, you to do thing for me. I'd rather be, be like, let's all, let's all make this. And so far the, the projects have all been really fun that way. It does feel like a very communal sort of thing. I, I definitely feel like, um, you know, yeah, it does. It feels like everyone's excited to be working on things with you. And like, it's definitely a, a different experience than a lot of, <laughs> a lot of well, good. things I've done. And, and one of the reasons that I don't like, I don't advertise or anything. I just have people say, Hey, I have this friend who knows how to make it call her, you know? And that's mm-hmm. generally how it's just sort of word of mouth. And I'm not concerned about getting, but uh, it's sort of, I like it that way. You know, I definitely have friends who work for, you know, big companies that film and make things. And so often they complain to me about nonsense that they have to do that they absolutely hate. Yeah. And I never have to do that. Like, I never, I mean, I'll never make a living doing it this way, but I <laughs> always feel happy. Like, you know, had I had there been more time, like I probably the robot I think I, I made for one headed beast. Like I probably would have spent, if it were just for me and I was going to just put it in a closet somewhere or leave it in the park, I probably would have spent like six months on it. Mm-hmm. But because you needed it in a, in a deadline and amount of time, that's sort of like this nice little kind of challenge for me to just get it made, make sure they like it, and just move on. You know, <laughs> and I think you had asked me at the time if I wanted to keep any of it, and mm-hmm. I always feel like this was your thought. This is your thing. Like once my hands have done it, like I'm not a super sentimental person. So I'm just like, no, you enjoy it. It's yours. And you seem sort of taken like, you don't want it. Like it's not it that blew I my mind. It. It's just the foot. Huh? It blew my mind that you were like, yeah, I don't, I don't want this. I don't, I don't need to keep it. And I like that. So, like I've talked about this on the show before, like when someone's a master at something. So the guy that um, was teaching me shoemaking or is teaching me shoemaking. Once we get back to from this, uh, if you bring him anything, he just does it. There's not a lot of uh, time wasted thinking. So if you brought here, here's a shoe I've had for a while. I need the heel fix. He'll go, okay, and just fix it. If you're like, this purse was generationally handed down from my immigrant great, great grandmother. who was, It was the only thing she had on the ship. Com- I mean, if whatever the story is, he would look at it and fix it just as quickly. There you go. Cause he's good. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. There's not a lot of like, Oh, Boy, we don't mess this up. He's just great. And seeing you guys do that as well has been really fascinating. We're like, you just do it. And therefore it to me is like this incredible thing. The foot you made from my CD humanitis, we still have, I can probably show you displayed over behind there. It's on that shelf. Uh, nice. Oh, the, I see it. I definitely see it. Yeah. It's behind the books there or above the books. And, uh, that was such a cool thing. And then the the globe, like the head that's hanging in the background of one headed beast, like those to me are such like precious things. Like if something happened to them, I'd be like, no, but I also, I love the spirit of like, you know, France is so artsy and going back to, um, was it Monet? No. Who are you talking about? Van Gogh that didn't sell anything. 
and they would go yeah. to like the salon and they would try to get in the gallery show every year and they were like well you guys are weird impressionists like this doesn't work they couldn't yeah. sell anything and they started their own little club kind of displaying their own work and i think when you think of france and the beauty and the art that's come out of there and then the wars and destruction they collectively i think that's why paris especially is about beauty and just being alive and enjoying it and taking your time and sitting on a patio and eating a crepe and maybe having a smoke rather than like i gotta charge ahead i got a two o'clock meeting i gotta go do this da, 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 da. it's because it's all temporary this statue you made could get bulldozed by a tank and life's going to go on. You got to be comfortable with that. And I think you above anyone else really understand that in a way that like I never will. Your things that you made are not statues. They're like paper mache. And I protect them as if they were in like the Louvre. Which I, I so appreciate. I definitely do. And it's, you know, I, I sometimes, you know, I, you're not the only person who doesn't get it. It's so weird to talk about this because since I do this stuff, like kind of on the lowdown, it feels weird to be like, I'm on a podcast talking about my secret <laughs> stuff. But uh, like, I love being like, there are times when I'm at someone's house and I'm staring at something and I think, where did you get that weird thing? And then I realize I made that thing. <laughs> but like, um, what was my point? I lose my train of thought a lot. But um <laughs> Yeah, so so one of the things I love about going to the beach, and I don't know if you've been to Texas beaches, but they're garbage, but I love them because I'm from Texas and you love anything. But uh, I love to build big sort of ridiculous sandcastles or giant rats or something. And you know, you just watch the kids kind of buzz around you for a while because I know they're going to destroy it. And I think it's <laughs> hilarious that they do. And everyone's like, oh my God, you spent three hours on that. And I'm like, but you know that kid wanted to kick it over the whole time, right? Mm -hmm. And that kid goes home and he's like, I got to kick over a four foot <laughs> sand rat. Like, <laughs> I love that. And then I never have to talk, you know, and everyone, maybe somebody thinks that's not that exciting, but that kid thought it was pretty exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see the the psychology study behind that and that I know I've had a lot of experiences in my life that warrant like stories and things like that. And I find that as I'm getting older, I don't remember a ton of stories. So most of the things I make, like when you were talking about, like, I feel like I'm always making something and it's usually pretty ephemeral. Like it's, it's something that can be kind of useful. So the things that I make like shelves or tables or things like that, I think those inspire me more because they're going to be around a bit. So then I can be like, oh, right. I, that it proves I was alive. I made that thing. I forgot. That took me hours and hours of my life. Whereas if they were all just sandcastles, I think I'd freak out to a certain degree. Like, was I even alive? Did, does anything exist? <laughs> I think I gave a pretty good balance, but that's sort of part of, you know, if I make a cake for you, you're not going to have to find a storage space for it. You're not going to, yeah. and it's going to be the most ridiculous cake you've ever seen. Everyone's going to really enjoy it. And then it's gone. Yeah. You know, like you have to enjoy it. Then you can't hold on to it for a hundred years or pass it down to your grandkids. Maybe you could, but that would be really weird. But in the <laughs> same vein, like I have all these really old handmade chairs. I don't know who made them, but I love to think about who they were, yeah. you know, and it's mostly because I'm a so total dumpster rat. And if I see a good chair, you know, but, um, I love old furniture and chairs and I usually Same. repaint them and give them to friends for like their furniture and stuff. But like, I do like to keep the really kind of crappily made old chairs because they think you didn't expect this to make it this long. And here <laughs> it is. It's still here. And it was really bad. Like I'm sure you didn't use it much because you knew it was going to fall apart and it made it. it like, 
I keep the crappy old chairs. Oh, that's one where we're very similar. I, when we go on walks and stuff, Emily Rose has to always be like, just like a dog, like leave it, leave it. And I, cause I'm always like, <laughs> I can fix that. <laughs> I always, I can I, fix it. Yeah. I want to start a, like a factory, like a warehouse that's just chairs. Just, oh, there's one place in town. If you need any kind of chair, this place has them. It's just a hoarder of chairs. Yeah. Oh, God. I could, I could help start your inventory. Like, yeah, it's right now, too, it's been difficult because it's heavy trash collection week. And uh, that happens twice a year. And I, this is a neighbor because I live fairly close to the university and these kids just throw away all sorts of stuff, you know, just everything. And uh, this is the time of year where I'd be collecting stuff and making ridiculous stuff out of it and just giving it away or making something and, and giving it to a friend. And now I see it and I think, oh, can't touch it. It could kill me. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't touch it. Leave that chair. And so it's, it's been a, there's a few things that have come out of this. Um, I'm a compulsive whistler, which there's no way for you to have known. And when you're wearing a mask, you can't. And I know for years people have wanted me to stop. And so now like that's something that's come out of this. <laughs> and I can't bring home tons of garbage right now. <laughs> I've caught myself a couple times in masks going to blow on things, nearly doing it, catching myself and then being really proud of myself. Like, good for you. You realized you couldn't guess the mask, but I got way too close to be proud of myself. Oh, no. I mean, I don't know how close you got, but I actually, uh, let me see. I actually have poked myself in the face with a straw to my reusable cup <laughs> with the mask on. <laughs> to be fair, I, I've been wearing it for a month, eight hours a day. So when I'm not wearing it, I feel like I'm wearing it. It's, yeah. In, it, yeah. It's weird. Oh. Go ahead. Go into the last chapstick, too. Oh, right. All the time. Yeah. I hadn't <laughs> thought about that. Some of these industries that are really struggling, the big chapstick. Sorry, big chapstick. <laughs> I, uh, I did, when I did uh, the CD called Explosion Land, it was kind of futuristic and or future projection like. Uh, I know who you are. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Uh, one of the bits that I did, and I was kicking myself after because I fr I definitely left out um, talking about like in the future things that could happen to us, ways we could slightly evolve. And one of the things I always used to say during this bit was, your your designer f sunglasses would be grafted onto your face. So creating us a look that's very alien-like, you know, the big eyes. But I always used to think in conjunction that, and I think a few times I did the joke and it just it just got to be too many things I was listing off and none of them were funny. But I'd like, there's a part of me that's like, oh, I wish I'd archive that just so I could listen back and be like, this does seem like this the seem origin like of where something like that would happen. Is that... If we never figured out a, a vaccine for this virus, the ma aliens never have mouths or noses, but maybe they just have really cool form-fitting masks on that are the perfect flesh tone, plus the sunglasses, and then they, they're immune and not in any way like susceptible to viruses. So if we evolve, things will be okay. <laughs> if we, we evolve where we <laughs> have to wear the mask full time. Yeah. What a sweet life we'll be living. <laughs> no mouth. No nose. <laughs> no, uh, we'll have them. They'll just be under a permanent membrane. Under, uh, nothing like a face membrane. Yeah. Just right out there. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you're a baby. I, oh, gross. I always think about what you know, what we'll look like in the future. And just because we spend so much time or not me in particular, but 
so much time sitting on our computers that we'll just be nothing but blobs with hands and giant eyeballs, you know, just sitting on our computers. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd like to think about that when I've been on for too long. Yeah. Do you ever watch a screen? It's different. Like if you're in interact, like I've been doing some editing recently. So you're always kind of, and I, I bought a cheap monitor so I can look between two. So I feel like I'm very active, little screen, bigger screen. I'm interactive. But if you're just watching a movie or say you're like binging a show or something like that, and then I, I remember doing this when I was a kid, I just thought it was so fascinating. Like watching the screen and just move your head two degrees and just stare at the wall and be like, I'm effectively doing the same thing with my life right now. <laughs> this one feels yeah, ridiculous. I do, I think about that. Like I could just be staring at a wall. It's the same thing. Yeah. Well, hopefully a little more stimulating, but sort of the same thing. And I won't lie. I've probably just stared at a wall. <laughs> <laughs> Cause we're getting, I think I really think things like that and meditation are just good ways to recognize you need time to go by and you don't always need a story to fill it. Because we're no, not remembering no, them. People go, oh, yeah, what happened in that oh, one? There's yeah, like a guy that comes in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then she oh, tra yeah, she trades. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. We don't need that. Right. We don't need that. Sometimes you could just be in the minute, or in the moment. Yeah. And I, I, had a, I had a teacher, I think, in fifth grade who had, who had said to us, you know, it's, I don't know why she was giving us home decor tips, but she was. And <laughs> she was saying, you know, just remember someday when you're an adult, Make sure you leave one wall white. Just leave it blank. Don't put anything on it. You're going to need a space to just focus on and kind of... And I thought, as a fifth grader, I thought, what the hell are you talking about? But I do have that. I do have just a <laughs> blank space that I just stare. And I'm like, would I have had that had she not planted that seed? Or is this a natural human thing where it's like, I need this blank space just to sort of sit and think about it. And I'm not just staring at the wall. But, you know, every <laughs> once in a while, there's a spot. The rest of my house looks like Pee-wee's Playhouse. So I do need a kind of clear space. Yeah. But I don't know if it was because she told me to or because it's just a natural thing. I don't know. I don't know. I love that the kids are the so kids susceptible to like the little things. Maybe she was just like, oh just yeah, like, drink too much coffee that day and I was telling the kids something about a white wall. Oh well, they'll never remember it. They'll never remember it. later in life. Like, it's a credo of mine. Right. Well, it just, yeah, it definitely it's like, that makes sense. Just a place to clear your head and, you know, just a place to just sort of zone out. You know, that was the eighties. So it was before like somebody would tell you to meditate or, yeah. or the fifth grade teacher would tell you to meditate. <laughs> but I definitely keep it. Uh, what is the, we don't have a topic, do we? No, no, we don't, we don't really need one. I, I mean, I think it's fascinating to see how everyone, and the echoes back a little bit, I apologize, but uh, is going through it. So talking with medical experts and you know, people that are trying to get to the bottom of things. The one common denominator is everyone trying to figure out how to keep themselves happy and you know calm and relaxed during this and so i i, I think the variety of people i've tried with have been fascinating in that regard and that uh you know how what are artists doing what are, what are you know you're helping you're being impactful by making masks and you're also uh, seemingly staying positive and um productive at home and i think a lot of people are really struggling with that struggling yeah I luckily I don't have that option of just not knowing what to do because I'm just constantly like fidgety. So I just have to have something to do. <laughs> but I, yeah. Um, yeah. Where I, when I take a break from working on something, I'm usually working on something else. 
that is such I a, need to take a break from making masks. Uh, I'm crocheting. Huh? I always ask people about I always that, ask people about um, because I feel like most people live their lives I feel like feeling like, I need to motivate to do these I things I like to, to do. do. You know, everyone wants to be in shape, everyone but it's hard. And I think art. even doing art, art is the same way. Like, oh, I'd love to have all these things I, I made on my wall, these artistic pieces. But I need to kind of relax a little bit after work. And then months or years go by and they never really made anything. And a lot of people live that way, like sort of like you were saying about the millionaires who don't have their millions yet. A lot of people are writers who've never written their book yet. They are, you know, movie makers who've never done a thing. You, it's, you are, to me, in such a fortunate position where like you have perfect habits that you blame them on like, that's just how I'm made. But I think you've also just created really great habits for, I've got some downtime. Oh, I just crocheted a breakfast burrito or taco. For some people, that would be their whole month. Like, I did it. I can cross that off my list. I made that taco. That's true. Right. But when it comes to sort of the more conventional, like, you know, steps to what would be considered a successful life, like, clueless. I'm clueless and disinterested, generally. You know, like, <laughs> like, I'm definitely a responsible person. I'm not, you know, the artist that, like, can't pay my bill. You know, like, I take care of all... Well, not, you know who forgets that sort of stuff i'm a very like um i wouldn't say i'm a real chill person about that sort of stuff but like i but it just i definitely don't I, it's just not in me to care but the other thing like it's very important a breakfast taco made out of crochet very important <laughs> I, I was having this conversation with someone recently that the difference between conventional success and more like I don't know, lasting success, like impactful success. You know, if you've made something that touched someone, I think that's a success that can't really be measured in dollars. But if you've never done that for someone, then maybe you have conventional success. Like I own a boat and a house and a second thing, and I've got a mortgage and whoa, you're conventionally very successful. But a lot of times I feel like when you walk into their homes, they do have the blank wall, but then beyond that, their walls that are decorated look like the lobby of any given hotel. It's just really cheesy paintings and it's kind of generic furniture and maybe one of those blocks of wood letters that say love or something like that or, it's just there's something about it where it's not um it doesn't envelop you and you go into all i feel lucky that a lot of my friends when i go into their homes even if they live in tiny little apartments it's filled with art from their friends and unique experiences and funky picture frames that someone found and, and uh, painted in a weird way and it very peewee's playhouse like this says so much about them. This There's nest so is filled with all kinds of great stuff as opposed to just like this very austere brick security, conventional security. success kind of living situation. So I think you're, you're having impactful success. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think we've talked before about how about I've had just lots of just different weird jobs. I think you're the same and that like you've had lots of different jobs. I pet sat it. I, I worked at a vet hospital for years, and so I would pet sit for years. And one of the motivations, behind, aside from being a person to take good care of your pet while you're gone, because I would want the same for myself, was also just seeing people's homes when they weren't there. You know, yeah. maybe they cleaned up before they left. Maybe they didn't. But you just get to see the little things. And I'm not a snoop. I would never go through anything or any of that. But if it's out on the counter or just the way they arrange things, and you can sort of get a feel for Sometimes, like, it sounds strange. You could get a feel for how happy they were. Yeah. You know, if there were things that seemed personal to them or if it looked like 
they just went to Hobby Lobby and bought the new African decor set. Yeah. You know, it, there was, I'd walk into places and like, sometimes if they were just too spotless and there was just too much precision where things were cut, it would just feel tremendously sad. Just think, this is just so impersonal. And like, yeah. this is your home. And where's, and, and I'm like, the only time I, would, I think, God, please tell me you have this filthy closet full of nonsense that you just <laughs> don't want people to see, you know, but you know, but then I would go into houses that, you know, and it feels like a lot of times people who, who need a pet sitter aren't necessarily the most social people. So they don't have a friend who'll just come over and watch their dog. So you're kind of getting this subset of humanity anyway, that's already kind of, we keep to themselves. You go in and, you know, one lady completely unexpected, she was a professor at, a, at the university and I walked into her house and I felt like I was in a claw machine. There were so many stuffed animals, so many stuffed animals. And then she left me and this woman, she's a respected professor. She left me snacks, which is something that also you can tell a lot about people where they leave you something or they don't. She left me a lot of snacks, but she also left me and I'm not joking, a Frisbee, a, like a beach bucket and like one of those little scoops, like a pale scoop to eat it with. And it was like, there has to be a camera here and there's no way I'm doing this. But just really strange. Like I might be the only person they've interacted with for quite a while. You know, yeah. I would have people that would pay me just to come and say, walk her real fast and come right back. I'd be like, why am I here if you're home? <laughs> and I would talk to these... I, I had one lady who had made just a series of eye patches for her one-legged, one-eyed dog, and she would have me push her dog around in a stroller, and if you're paying me to do it, and it's legal, I'm going to do it. I felt like a fool with a border collie with an eye patch. <laughs> Knowing she's home! But she just really... <laughs> she just really wanted someone to talk to, you know? And fine. She was fairly... In she was an interesting woman. It but, sounds like it. Know, Hobbies, making eye patches for my dog. That's, I love when people have idiosyncrasies that if you were sitting down and trying to write for a character in a show or a movie, you wouldn't come up with that. You, it wouldn't no one would believe front. it. Yeah, I love that. No. Pet sitting was a fascinating place to be. It was just sort of like, oh, you just have that right there? You left that for me to find, didn't you? You know, or why do you have so many swords? So many swords. Yeah. Uh, very, just a really like interesting way to see people's homes without them sort of, you know, because when someone's new in your home, you sort of try to guide them to like, you know, the nicer, or like, you know, the newscaster thing lately where they've got their most professional corner on screen, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's that, but when no one's home, it's just, you can really observe what they have and People are strange. Yeah. Most of the time. Maybe that's why a lot of these home renovation shows have a very, very similar aesthetic all the time. And then so many houses look like that because people go, this is an acceptable look. If people come into my house and they see some frilly kind of twine and industrial pipes making the shelves and a chalkboard and it looks like a farmer's market kind of thing and maybe I've got some apples strewn whatever you know old barn wood here and there I'm just trying to think of the things they use in these shows a lot this is okay right. someone comes over to pet sit my my dog they, they're gonna think I'm normal right and I kind of like when yeah. people are like I don't care they're gonna see care. all they're my glass eye collection glass they're gonna collection. see all this weird this empty terrarium I have for some reason they're gonna see all of it 
<laughs> those are my favorite. There are tons of those people too, where it's like, that's literally a bedroom full of mad magazines taller than me. You know, <laughs> so there are definitely those people too. But we, I had a pet sitting job for years where I never saw the cat and I don't know if he had one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for coming over. He's out again. Anyway, you want to hang out? <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh no, that guy was never even there. So it was, I put food on the porch. I could have been feeding a possum for all I know. (laughs) (laughs) Years, I never saw that cat. No photos of the cat. Relatively uh, vague description of the cat. But he'd pay me 25 bucks a day to stop by and feed his cat. (laughs) My friend Katie, who lives in Austin, I won't say her last name. I don't know if she'd appreciate... uh, the story getting out, but we made so much fun of her and we're deathly worried for her. She was like, yeah, I've been hanging out at this bar and there's this guy that's always there. He's really quiet. I mean, I'll talk to him and he just like stares ahead and kind of looks in his beer, but there's something about him that's very sweet. And like, we all kind of went, well, this is just crazy. You know, what are you doing? Why are you hanging out with this guy? He has no friends. He's never been there with anyone. She goes, no, uh, and then, you know, we'd hear like a few weeks later, like, yeah, we're going to go on a date. And we would all jokingly be like, we, we, you need to check in with us. We need to know where you're going. We need to ping your phone. This is so dangerous. Is so dangerous. And she goes, yeah, we she went goes, on a date and we went back to his house. And like I mentioned, he's a quiet guy and no joke. Like we walked in and he didn't turn the lights on, but he had like those glow in the dark velvet paintings, but they were all of clowns. And we were like, how are you telling us the story? You should be dead by now. <laughs> you should have been murdered. And I go, what happened? And she was like, well, he didn't really say goodnight or goodbye. He just went into his bedroom and like went to sleep. So she had to let herself out. And then she went on another date with this guy. This one's true. And I'm probably missing a couple details, but most of this is <laughs> fairly accurate. <laughs> I know the clowns thing and him going to bed without saying goodnight. And we were like, did you go into his room or leave? And she's like, I thought he was doing a gag, like a bit or something. And then I looked in and he, he was asleep. So I left. Yeah. They didn't work out with them, but I think they went on like a couple more dates (laughs) and she didn't get killed. Oh my God. Well, when you, I got a little worried because when you first said that there were lots of clowns, I was like, oh God, I might know this person, <laughs> but I clearly don't know that person. But I wondered too, if maybe that's just his weird way of, you know, I'm just going to freak this person out and then they'll have this story. But she's very trusted <laughs> to go home with this. And you where you get velvet glow in the dark clowns. I know. Yeah. I I can vividly kind of picture it because it was such a unique description, such an odd thing. But I do think about that sometimes too. Like if people live their lives thinking that like nothing really matters and you can just, why not give like you do with putting things in the park? What if people walking down the street having really annoying fake phone conversations are just doing it to amuse people they walk past and then people, I I think that's definitely a thing people just doing improv kind of silly characters just to give other people something to talk about? Well, I mean, I guess I feel like I'm a a person who's always been, well, maybe not just to give someone, well, definitely sometimes to give someone something to talk about. I've heard some just ridiculous conversations just waiting at the bus stop or something where I'm like, either you're wacko or you're just entertaining yourself because you think I'm going to tell somebody later, that guy was talking about a dinosaur egg or, (laughs) you know, just something silly or, but 
I love to overhear conversations that don't make sense just because they don't make sense. Yeah. You know, I, a few months ago, I heard this woman saying over and over, don't be late because then you'll be late. useful. <laughs> 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 She said it like 15 times. And I thought, if this person hasn't caught on to this by now, you're probably never going to catch on to don't be late or else you'll be late. <laughs> we were in an In-N-Out Burger She's one time. She's the worst advice columnist. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And yet a phrase like it is what it is, is allowed to still persist. But don't be late or else no, you'll be I, I hate it. I despise it. What a crappy attitude. To, it is what it is. Like, but how did it get that way? And what can we do? Yeah. Can uh, we alter it? And somehow it is what it currently is, but we'd like to adjust that to some degree. No, oh, we can't. It's in the past. Can't. It's in the, ugh, those are the rules. Like, come on. Like, but where did those come from? It's, yeah. There's yeah. like a weird disconnect with logic in that sort of statement, you know, or just this weird disconnect with, but it drives me crazy too. It yeah. is what it is. We were we were at an In and Out one time, we were an and uh, one time. there were these women next to us at a table. I, I was kind of picking up on some of the things they were saying, uh, and it was weird they were meeting uh, to have like a health discussion. So they're like, it was almost like a self help group where they had met outside of the class, and it was two women kind of consulting with one woman who was new to this pro, um, process or maybe like method that they were trying to learn. And so yeah. the first two women every night, you were just chatting on our own. And afterward, we'd, we'd hear like, yeah, we'd and then that's why I take, yeah. you know, this amount of snacks. You need this many grams. Protein's great. You got to blah, 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 blah. And then we, you know, I wouldn't hear much more. And then later as we left, we were like throwing our food in the trash. And I was like, did you hear anything? Did you ever hear anything those women were saying? And Emily Rose was like, yeah. And then we walked outside and she was like, did you hear at one point one of the women said, I like to keep in my purse a great snack for on the go. And then we both at the same time went, nacho cheese? <laughs> she goes, yeah, that's what I heard too. <laughs> so we were like, we both heard that crystal clear. Yeah, she's at an in and out telling her friend, look, if you need a quick pick me up snack on the go, just have some nacho cheese in your purse. <laughs> <laughs> zipper pocket. <laughs> zipper pocket full of, I don't know what you'd have like a Ziploc or how you would transport it. And then you just wouldn't spoon it out. And then we equally had at the same time frame. I mean, like six months later, it was like one of those things we both got zapped where we just looked at each other and went like, oh, I think she was saying nuts and cheese. But it was a really fun thing to overhear at the time. We were we were telling people, like, you're not going to believe this. It was a self-help group. <laughs> Eat nacho cheese. But nuts and cheese probably are, it's probably what they were talking yeah, about. Yeah, like, sadly. You just wanted to hear it, nacho cheese. I know. We both heard it so clearly. And it was great because we were both pretending like, uh, we weren't eavesdropping. We were having our own conversation. But as theirs would filter in, that was one where we must have both been taking a bite at the same time. And it registered in our brains like, huh. <laughs> nacho cheese well that's different <laughs> you know you know personally i just uh, like a can of easy cheese just a spread, you know on the go <laughs> you can put it under your mask and still spread oh that's the next thing is masks with little like peephole openings it's just oh. perfect size for ready whip or cheese it or easy cheese pop it in there <laughs> 
Yeah. Lysol. It's in an aerosol. That's true. Yeah. Maybe under the skin, maybe get to the cells. I don't know. I'm very interested in that. Maybe some light. Mm -hmm. To be fair, if anyone's an expert on UV lamps, probably him. (laughs) (laughs) Orange is such a fascinating color that I just never would have pictured the people that have gotten behind it. From where I'm from, jacked up pickup trucks shooting at old junk out in the desert. And you oh, know, Texas? No, you, desert. <laughs> Nevada <laughs> I desert. I know where you're from. You're, they run in the same, they know each other, these characters. Oh, definitely. Cowboys. Yeah. yeah. Tough guys. They There's not one of them I can yeah. think of growing up that they're like, this guy's cool. He this only ever wears a suit. His, his skin is orange. He cannot grow facial hair, doesn't drink, never owned a pet. I love him. I'd die for him. No, I can't imagine. Those are the people that I grew up with, too. I cannot imagine, like, oh, he's got a die job and a comb over. She's my man. <laughs> like, I, you know, and they're the same dudes who I remember growing up, whether or not it, you know, it's a very strange thing to do, but it would be like, oh, college boy, you know, draft dodger. What happened? <laughs> and I know for sure. If my papa were still around, he wouldn't want Nazis marching in the streets. He went to WW2. What Same. is happening? Yeah, my grandfather hated yeah, him. Just hated him as a person. Just from his persona in the 80s. He was like, oh, I don't like that. Me too. I, don't like that. <laughs> I couldn't have imagined because from the, the first time I recall seeing him as a kid, I just didn't like him. He just seems like a very disingenuous, gross person. Yeah. I just don't. I don't get it. I never I will. It does feel like we're in a, a Twilight Zone episode or something like that, where nothing that makes sense is happening, and everything that seems to be happening is like, wait, is this still real life? What is happening? I don't know. It's uh, and when it first happened too, I um, so I you know my parents are both. It's, this is going to come as a shock, but they're both a little. Uh, they live in their own personal realities, both of them. They're both very, they're very different people. Uh, like, uh, trying to say it nicely, they're both a little nuts. And growing <laughs> up, like, we grew up in this entirely different reality than the world outside of us. Like, we would, you know, I went to school and things, and sometimes I would have to reconcile, like, oh, this is not normal, you know? Yeah. And so as I got older, it, it started to be really frustrating, and it was this sort of, like, having to, like, bridge the gap between, like, a world full of people who make rational decisions and a household full of just bananas, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, in my adult life, I'd managed to, like, cause, and that makes you angry as a kid. And in my adult life, I'd managed to, like, sort of work around that and understand things and rationalize things before I was just full of rage. And now I think years before my time, I'm screaming at the television because there's this crazy person that's making us all live in his reality, and I don't <laughs> want to do it again. Yeah. It's just crazy. Also, I think I had at least 30 years before it was acceptable for me to yell and scream at the television and throw things at it. And I find myself now just so irate. And I'm just like, I don't even have a walker or pearls or any of it. Like, it's just, it's an, it's insane. It's awful. Oh yeah. man. I hope you can let that go. I've, I just try to see how absurd it is and just laugh at it. If I'm watching the news or something or watching like to think of getting mad at the Lysol comment, was so silly to me and like i can't let that impact me in a real way it's so over the top like the the comics i was drawing were satirical they weren't as crazy as what as what the real situation started to be where i was like this is even dumber than i could have imagined it's just hilarious to me it has skipped over the shark in reality it's, I would love it. I, I mean, and not that I would love to be able to just be like, oh, this is ridiculous. But like, 
just some of his policies directly, and they they affect all of us directly, but like some of his immigration policies directly, directly affect my family. And like, you know, having come from like just really working class people for generations and seeing like, that's who gets screwed. And like, you know, my family's just sort of every, you know, just like how, how he just stokes the racism, you know? And like, I just feel like, so I sort of, you know, not to, I started at the very bottom. Like I definitely like know what it is to live with nothing and to like, it's to see him just care so little, you yeah. know, it's, I, I really, I'd had my rage on a like tamp for a really long time. And then after this, that's why I had to start more crochet. Just to, <laughs> and I, you know, I go to rallies and yell at people and my, like, I, I don't know how much good that's doing, but or I don't yell at anyone, but I go and I participate and like, hopefully that'll help something. And my friends make fun of me because I'm such a worry wart that I always take a makeshift, like um, first aid kit in case somebody gets hurt. <laughs> like did you really i'm like of course i did but so instead of yelling at all my friends about it and yelling on facebook because that's just a void i've had the white house phone number in my phone forever and i've called it over the years many times when i felt like i needed a voice and opinion no one's going to hear um and the thing i found about it now is uh that voicemail box is full sometimes it was never full before. So I had to start a Twitter account to say just horrible things to this. I, it's the only person I tweet. And it's my like, it's not, I don't say horrible things. I send a lot of negative emoji messages. And sometimes, hey man, I'm sorry you were so sad. Yeah. But I send a lot of emojis because I know he doesn't like to read. <laughs> just a lot of ticking clocks and fast food, you know, he'll get it. <laughs> oh, what time is it? Yeah, I think you oh. have to get going pretty soon. Uh, but this was great. This is so fun. And I'm glad to, uh, one, just get like the perspective of an artist going through this and one that's doing such a prolific and productive job of one, staying sane, staying yourself, where you're not like, ah, I'm just hold up watching reruns of Cheers over and over. Nothing against that. But I know a lot of people. I know what <laughs> Cheers is so comforting. If you're watching it, enjoy yourself. It's it brings you to a just a soft, simpler time. But I think a lot of people that are doing that sort of thing are doing, are doing it at the detriment of doing the things they want to do. So that maybe they're not uh, creating as much. Whereas you, that's not the case. And you're making masks. You're just you're being a hero, and I think it's great. So. No. <laughs> yeah, I know you don't want to hear that, but it's right. from my perspective, it's great. And I think you're doing yeah, you're doing the Lord's work out there. Well, thank you. And you know it's going to be really funny is that I will tell people I did this and uh there's going to be several people like, "Oh, you let people call you an artist now." <laughs> <laughs> I know. Everyone, I already got yeah. a I I did mention that I was doing this to someone and he was like, "Oh, you're doing that guy's podcast now. And he's like, what would you talk to me about? So, <laughs> oh, you're going to be on a press tour soon doing all the podcasts. The word will get uh-huh. out and then you'll have it's to put Austin out a, yeah, they'll know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, while we're here, so I, I probably have to go pretty soon. I, I, but, um, so yesterday I saw a mother meditation go up, which oh, definitely, cool. you know, the Kyle thing. And then I uh, face somebody, I guess, said, like, I guess my, I'm still on the Fe- Professor Blastoff page on Facebook. And so it just popped up. Are you still here? Mm-hmm. And all these people underneath it were like, reunion. Did you notice that? <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. But that's great. Yeah, I know. it just popped up. Sorry. 
Go ahead. Oh, it just popped up yesterday. And to be honest, the, I find those mother meditations insanely, like, just, oh, they're they so, so hard fun. to listen to. It's so funny. Yeah, no, they were great. Yeah. I've, 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 there's, it's such a long time since we did that show. I, sometimes people will bring up stuff and I'm like, oh, right. Yeah, I forgot we used to do that. Or, you know, and that kind of yeah. is strange. To, it's not that long ago, but there's so many things over the course of however many years we did it that, like, right. different things stick out. We're in the 900th day of March as it is. Like, how are you supposed to remember things you did years ago? <laughs> True. But yeah, and that's the other thing. Too. I think my sister and I, the name that punky thing really hit like we I don't know a lot of people loved it but we loved it and like looking back I remember as a kid being like oh she's so lucky she gets taken in by this curmudgeon old man and I was like oh that says so much <laughs> like, she got abandoned by her family but Maddie and I were like oh she could live in New York with this old man and have a dog like she was just like so cool to us yeah I thought they were gonna reboot it and bring back the show at some point but I have have yet not I have not seen that Oh, the dog might be too old to do it now. I didn't reboot that dog. I didn't reboot that Get a new dog. dog in there. Get a new punky. I don't know if we could ever have another punky. She was pretty great. Oh, no. I wasn't. Like, I, I just noticed that it was this very quick, like, oh, my God, reunion. And I was like, don't you have enough reboots? Not that I wouldn't watch or listen, but, like, you know, I'm not trying to force it. I just thought it was really funny. <laughs> well, I'll keep you posted if we, uh, if we do anything. But hopefully he'll post... Uh, some other meditations. I think everyone can use that currently. It's something that, yeah, he did it yesterday. He posted one and it's got audio of his, his mom. I can't imagine doing that. Just, <laughs> just her talking and then her talking over it. It's very funny. Oh, great. Cool. Well, Penelope, this was wonderful. And thank you for doing this. And anything you want to plug? Any Anything that uh, we didn't cover? Any shout outs? Anything like that? I don't really have anything to plug, I don't think. Oh, well. No, I, I did recently work on, I don't know what they're going to do with it, but a friend of mine, you know, I worked at Toy Joy forever and the majority of my close friends were my friends from there. Um, so that thing I'd made, uh, that puppet that I showed you, I think I sent you an email. That was for a friend of mine who was doing a sitcom about not the store itself, but the time that he worked there. And it's called Wind Ups. Okay. So that should be out. I'm not sure when. I don't know how all that stuff works. Ooh, I do have a question that's completely non sequitur that you might have a better answer for than I. Um, so again with crochet, it mm -hmm. cannot be replicated by machines. Um, <laughs> and I notice, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but like in every television show, the props, are, there's always a crochet blanket on the back of the couch. Uh -huh. And I figure you might know somebody who does prop stuff more than I do. Where the hell do they come from? Because they're handmade. Good question. So they have a props right, department and, and someone just like, we need a crocheted orange with a little white in it. And they're like, I'm on it. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Right, if you pay attention, it's almost every show, almost every movie, which is an overrepresentation of weird-looking Afghans in people's homes. But yeah. if that's a job, I'd like to know how you get that job. I so will. I will definitely keep my ears open. I'm always on the lookout for stuff like that, and always trying to pair people up that I like and have a specific skill or a special skill for that. So, I, I've, for as it goes, I know nothing about it, but I will. I'll see what I can do. It's a long shot there. <laughs> I asked a friend of mine who's in costume and she's like, how would I know? Like, ask around. Yeah, someone's got to know. It's got to be a set design. I have a friend that's in the art department. I bet he'll know. So I'll ask him. Thank you. I would appreciate it. I'm sure. just curious. I just want to know. Okay. Um, all right. Well, it was good talking to you. I My dogs didn't bark the whole time, which is amazing. That's great. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. 
it's unusual. <laughs> say say goodbye to Emily Rose for me. We'll do. Say hi to Maddie and uh, stay safe there and thank, keep making uh, great masks. I uh, will be doing that within the hour. Awesome. <laughs> see you later. Okay. I'm taking a screenshot. I'll send it to you. Okay. See ya. Hopefully that echo wasn't too bad because I thought we touched on some really great stuff, some really funny stuff, thoughtful things, um, all the stuff I like chatting about. She's just an ace. So thanks again to Penny stepping out of her comfort zone, which we talked about a little bit. I feel like I've been doing this so long. Everything I do in my life in some weird way is outside of my comfort zone. You get so far away from it, you forget where it was. Uh, And not to promote anyone else doing that, but um, it was pretty painless. We had a fun conversation. Hopefully she can speak on behalf of other people who are uh, nervous to do that sort of thing and say, you know what? It wasn't that bad. It was kind of fun. So thanks to Penelope for uh, stepping outside of her comfort zone, out uh, from the shadows a little bit. And um, yeah, she's an artist. I know she doesn't like being called that, but you heard how she lives her life. It's 100% driven by uh, things that make her happy, creating things, helping others, making other people feel better. I think that's what art does. And I think she does it as well as anybody. And again, yeah, wear the mask. I know I touched on it in the beginning. If you have some sort of a compelling reason as to why you don't or won't, I don't even know if I really want to hear it. I get you can email me, and if I think, like, oh, that's a good point, we can chat. But uh, if you just message me your Zoom or email or phone number and say, get in touch, I got some great points. I don't know that I want to hear them. Write them down, send them to me, pings at thespacecave.com, or you can go to davidhunsberger.com and message that way. Um, And I'm curious what sort of uh, logic, I can't imagine too many people that listen to this show are walking around without a mask, going to these rallies, uh, etc. Going to a gym, that was a recent one that happened in Florida, going to a gym and then working out outside. Let us work out. We're working out. Let us work out. Why do you need to be told what you can and can't do? Go do it. People that get these rallies, oh, I need to make money. Meanwhile, someone 10 feet away is selling masks and making a fortune. There's always a way for you to make some money if that's what you want to do. But I got to do it doing the job I know how to do. I only know how to do one thing. Well, it might be tough for you. Use your imagination a little bit. Uh, anyway, I digress. We live in an uncertain time. I don't want to make it any worse. I want this to be a nice, comforting place you can come visit and uh, take your mind off it a little bit. Um, you can support the show on Patreon. I'm starting to put up some of the uh, bedtime stories. A little vulnerable. Uh, they're, they're, But hopefully they'll help. I haven't released them as of yet. Although, I don't know when this comes out. But uh, when it does, maybe they will have already been up and maybe they've been helpful. If you're having trouble sleeping, I doubt you are alone, and uh, maybe they are beneficial. There's also uh, some bonus episodes, too. So thank you to those of you who do support the show that way. It is made possible by contributions from listeners just like you, and this show has no ads, and hopefully will continue that way. I prefer it, although as uh, this virus prolongs, and uh, we we dip into uh, resources and or lacks, lack, a lack of them, uh, we might need to pull out some stops, get ExxonMobil in the game, really jazz up this podcast with some fossil fuel money, although they're not doing great. What does that mean when you can't even lean on the good folks at ExxonMobil to bail you out and send you a bunch of money to mention their product on the podcast, which I already have. But if it's not an endorsement, they represent a number of things that I don't necessarily align with as far as 
um, being alive on planet Earth and keeping it a livable surface. But who knows? Maybe they're going to change directions during this and, and come up with a way to do something phenomenal and we'll look to them as these beacons of progressive innovation Hopefully, you never know. They have a lot, a lot of bright scientists working there. Maybe they're urging them, "Hey, we did that algae stuff. Let's let's move forward with this other thing too." And maybe this is the thing that uh, gets us going on sustainable, renewable stuff. Who knows? Okay, uh, this song is about being in quarantine. I know it's ending for some people as they slowly start to reopen, and just know we'll be right back here in a few months when inevitably there's a flare up. Uh, but hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully people are safe. I think you've seen enough footage on TV to know that they're not going to be. We live among some of the uh, dumbest people you can imagine. Not to be too much of a downer, but please be careful. You're not only out there being careful for yourself, you have to avoid them. It's like driving, and all those people represent essentially drunk drivers. They're just living their life as a walking drunk driver. So hopefully we avoid these flare-ups. Don't have huge parties. Don't be going to a crowded restaurant and yelling across the room and sneezing and coughing on people. It's likely not going to go well. Anyway, this song is about quarantine. It's from Atlas Sound. Uh, I hope you like it. Thanks for stopping by the Space Cave. Quarantined and kept so far. Oh, yeah. 